Hello, everybody. Today, I'm going to talk to my best friend, Fedor. I normally introduce him as this uh, super smart astrophysicist who speaks fluently four languages and looks like a Thor. He also lived in many different uh, countries, traveled all around the world, and we have been on many different adventures together. And, and if it sounds a little bit like I'm over-idealizing uh, Fedor, you're completely right. And so in this uh, episode, we're going to debunk the myth of a superhuman Fedor. We're also going to talk about the difficulty of moving around, weddings, babies, physics, and further experience with the death of my girlfriend, Liz. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be more of a raw conversation between two good friends rather than a big story. But you will hear some stories, for example, like how, why Fedor only has one weird foot in the fridge at the time and how he almost became a head designer. And before we jump into it, I would like to put here a small disclaimer. In this episode, we're going to talk about suicide and mental health. So just be aware of that. You're listening to Broken Compass Show. Raw conversation about how people navigate their life when they feel lost with all the good, bad, and bittersweet things that comes with it. Because life is not always rainbows and chansan, is it? Please, 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 if you enjoy the show, don't forget to give it a rating and share it with somebody who might need to hear it as well. Because the more people... Hey, fellow, welcome on the Broken Compass. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm I'm doing great. I'm actually quite excited about this. It's my first podcast, uh, so it's a new experience. Um, it will be definitely interesting. And I mean, ultimately, I'm just glad to see your face and hang out with you a bit more now that you're on the other <laughs> side of the globe. Yeah, yeah, because uh, today I'm in uh, in Chile, in uh, Valparaíso, Viña de Mar, which is next to it, and you are in. I'm in Munich right now, which is where I live since April. So, <laughs> um, but I'm not. I'm not recording from home. I'm recording from my work's office, um, as it conveniently is only five minutes away by foot from where I live. So nice. I could say this is like my extended office room from home. Um, we yeah. we definitely gonna talk about that uh, that work uh, as well. <laughs> oh, you I know, see. So it is it is a work day then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can we can talk about Fedor and not talk about physics. That that would be uh, <laughs> impossible, I think. Um, but you know, it it became kind of a tradition that when I know people, I always ask them like, how we met or what what is the first memory that you remember about the uh, two of us. Right. Um, so let me try to gather my memories. Um, so uh, the year was, and this is already tough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 2010. What yeah, do you think? That's that's correct. <laughs> you got you really? get a plus point. <laughs> oh, good. Five points for Gryffindor. Great. Um, and so yeah, as far as I remember, uh, it went this way. Um, at the time, I was studying in Tübingen, which is mm. a German city, like a university town. And a common friend of ours, Andre Wall, um, Andy, um, he was, well, he studied in Nottingham, but he was doing an exchange uh, sort of Erasmus year in Constance. And so, which is really not that far away. It's like a, what, two or three hour train ride, yeah. I would say, roughly. Um and so, so yes, he was there and I wanted to visit him. And then um, I did. And um, yeah, and he was telling me that he's hanging out with some cool Czech guy. Uh, and yeah, and that's how we met, I think, right? We went we should, we should also say that you are from Slovakia and uh, Andy is also from Slovakia. And basically yes. in the group of friends, 
I'm the only Czech person, which uh, gonna comes yeah. around, I think, one 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 point. That is somehow hilarious, right? Uh, <laughs> because yeah, you're you're Czech, but all all of your friendship group, like at least this part, is Slovak, and you're the one, uh, the odd one out. Well, there's another another Czech person now, right? There's Yiji. Yeah. Uh, but for a long time, you were the only one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I remember the first time uh, I remember meeting you. Like first really memory that's, that's stamped in my brain is um, when we went to a Berries, which is a nightclub in in Konstant, where which is very yeah. po popular for um, for students because it has a student night on Monday when you get uh, everything for half price if you came before eleven, you get a free entry. Of course, we went there when you visited. Uh, of course, so I feel like it must, it must must have been Monday when we went there. Uh, or Saturday or something like that. And uh, we always had this saying, like nothing ever good happens when you, because we were buying these Desperados and they had these huge Desperados, like 0.7 liters Desperados you will be drinking before and then you were getting there. And we said nothing ever good happens after three Desperados. And I remember we were buying one on the bar, just you and me, and it was somewhere else. Uh, and I had like this, <laughs> this heartbreaking moment. And I was like looking at you and I was like, you know, if you don't like me, It's fine, you know. It's it's okay. <laughs> and this great guy, <laughs> you don't have to pretend anything. <laughs> you remember? Yeah, so, it? yeah, so I I remember the like I remember the story that you thought I really don't like you and I have never really figured out why. Like what did I do to offend? I mean, <laughs> maybe it was just my character, but I Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I I don't I don't remember. And not not really, but I think that kind well, of that moment of vulnerability was that like what kind of uh, bonded at least from my side me to to you, which is that's why I remember it. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you know, the way the night went on, I think we've both proven to ourselves the contrary of of me not liking you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that's how we started, and you told me, and I was like, "What the hell? Where, where is this coming from?" I don't. Know, maybe it's. I want to. I want to say in hindsight that something got lost in translation between Slovak and Czech, and that's why you didn't. <laughs> <like me. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe my insecurities, you know, uh, <laughs> one of one of the others. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about uh, having you on a podcast, and uh, I realized something that's uh, that's uh, that's a little bit maybe a fucked up. But uh, you know, every time I talk to other people about you. I always tell you like, hey, this is the guy, he speaks many languages, he's like a physically a Greek god playing rugby, he uh, has a PhD, he like studied all, all these things. And I think, you know, that uh, without wanting it, that I really like idolized uh, your life. I was always like, man, you know, like living like a Fedor, uh, that would be, that would be great life. I was about to say, I think, I think that's a bit of a, an, you know, an over-idealized uh, sort of image of me and by over i mean over 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 idealized um yeah so. and we never talked about it so this is a great opportunity and i only remember there's only one time in my life which is stamped and i also you heard this story many times we're gonna get to it as well which i um when i was like oh this guy didn't really figure out all of it yet and uh, he also have problems um and that was uh, on this uh, new year's eve when uh, we're celebrating in somewhere cottage outside of outside of bratislava in some small village in slovakia we we're having some drinks at one point we are sitting like i think in some armchairs next to each other we're drinking something 
oh, we are talking. And then you said, are you happy? And I was like, we, I don't know, we were like 22, 23, something like that. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, like, <laughs> what is this question? Like, is there another answer than yes? And I, and I was like baffled by it. I think I was even more baffled that you said that question. And I was like, what, what the fuck? And then you, and you look at me like, no, I'm, I'm not. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I don't remember the rest of the conversation, by the way, which is funny, but it really stuck yeah, with me. I always like, so you, you told me this story before and I always wonder what the context of that was or like, how did the conversation continue? Did I go, I'm not happy therefore ABC or did I say I'm not happy because of something? I mean, yeah, it's, I, I suppose it's too far away now to, to really recall what happened and why, but yeah, I think, I think it's, I mean, to me, it always seemed like, it, you know, you everyone is sometimes happy sometimes not right if you're always happy mm. you, you I, I, like it doesn't even work because then what does happy mean right you need to benchmark it against something else like like mm. what's what's a what's a good feeling if you don't know a bad feeling then you you can't really identify it i mean here's the scientist speaking but uh <laughs> i guess you'll 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 have more of that on this podcast i apologize in advance <laughs> No, that's funny. It's funny. Although we like a lot of a lot of the people that we talked before, right? We talk about hey, emotions are not really bad or good. They are just emotions. So yeah, yeah maybe they mm. are like um, what would say um, more of emotions, like right neutron and uh, wait, the the plus and minus is like not bad and good, right? It's just like oh yeah, yeah. Music, They're just right. Can we do it this, this way in physics? Yes, we can. Yes, yeah. The, the, the 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 other the other thing that I find uh, quite interesting about this story is that before you told me, and I think you told me like ten years later, like I didn't remember any of this, and it seems to be a theme with me that like I get every now and then I get a person who just digs up some quote that I said, not thinking anything probably because that's how, how I feel most of the time, and I just say some some random sentence which I think makes sense at the time and then it somehow sticks with the other person and they like, you know, sometimes really come back to it and, you know, put a whole like meaning around, around this sentence. And I don't even know about it. And then they come to me and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, the, you said this. And I'm like, Oh really? Did I, what, <laughs> when? <laughs> so this has happened. Like, I, I know at least I think four people where, where this, I had this sort of situation already. It's kind of hilarious. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I think um, you know. I like. I'm writing this uh, uh, this gratitude letter. You got one as well, and um, and I realize how often like some small things that people did that they maybe not even realized that that had tremendous meaning for me, but we just don't talk about it, especially in like our countries, like Czech Czech Republic, Slovakia, like the Middle Europe, maybe or even. This is not like things that we would like mention, you know, like uh, why, you know, it's, it's uh, unnecessary, right? But they, they know maybe, or I don't know, or we just don't talk about it. Maybe we just don't talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it's, yeah, I wonder why people don't talk about it. I mean, if, if something is important to you, um, and especially if it's a positive thing, it should be that hard to sort of mention it to, I don't know, your friends, if, if you know, they've influenced you in a good way. This is why actually your I really enjoyed your um so the sort of thank you letter that you that you wrote um which came out of the blue and I 
at first I wasn't sure I'm supposed to open it or not uh, and how many viruses I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get if I do. <laughs> like, um, but then I was like, oh, it's probably okay. So I, I clicked on it and I, and I read it and it was amazing. And I actually, like that's, that's such a cool idea because it made my day. It probably also on your side, maybe, I don't know, it probably contributed to filtering out things that are important from the ones that are not important or like just sort of getting a grasp of, I don't know, the, the relationship uh, that the two of us like have, right, as friends. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's, uh, it's hard to write it, to be honest, because there's a lot of emotions, a lot of vulnerability, um, but it's good in the end. Uh, it yeah. gives you a different perception of life. So Absolutely. I'm glad I did. And I'm glad it made day your day. It makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was also, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just, okay, of course, there was a lot of emotion. It was heartfelt. Um, but you also made it funny, which made, which made, which made it, you know, a lot more, um, like, I wouldn't say palatable is not the right word. It's just easy to read, right? It's enjoyable mm. to read because there are jokes. And then, uh, you know, I think humor in combination with sort of serious emotions actually works really well quite often. And that's maybe the way of, of packaging sort of more serious information. Um, mm. Okay, yeah. but let's, uh, let's, let's get back to that uh, unhappy conversation. So you said you, you don't remember what is it was. Like, what Absolutely that not. But I, can, I mean, I can imagine. So if I, was, if I was 20 something, um, I don't know. I, th I think it probably was just some phase of me being a bit lost in like let's say my 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 studies at the time i suppose or work um i haven't i haven't had started my phd at that time so it must have been my studies so probably i was just you know unsure whether what i'm doing makes sense and what the ultimate goal of it is or whether I'm studying the right thing, you know, all of these decisions, right? You, at some point you sort of have to, um, you get to all of these forks in the road and you have to go left or right. And then it's always a question of opportunity cost, and you're wondering what was on the other side and what you could have done. And then I think, especially when you're younger, well, maybe not even when you're younger, also when you're older, you, you know, you compare yourself to everyone else, to your peers, like your friends, but also just people that you know, right. And, and. I think the problem with that comparison, especially until you understand this fact, is that you're always comparing yourself as an individual mm. against sort of the sum of everyone you know, right? So it, it's never a fair comparison. You, 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 don't, you don't just go, oh, okay, this guy, he's done that. But on the, other, on the other hand, maybe he hasn't done this one thing that I have done or like cannot do or like, I don't know, there is some pros, pros and cons. But what you take is sort of the best of everyone. And that's the mm. standard that you put yourself against. And you can only fail against that, right? I mean, that's a very like... Uh, sort of biased comparison against you. At least that's how it work, worked for me. And I think I... Yeah, and, and I think you, the other thing that, that you mentioned right now is you take the best of them, right? But you never see all the other things. Yes, yeah, true. They're not happy with themselves. And, and think, like, like that's, that's the overly idolized um, view of you, right? That I kind of uh, had, have, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we will see after <laughs> today. 
Well, um, we can work on that for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think we need to touch upon this a little bit deeper. So every time I meet somebody, I always tell them you study some astrophysics because I have no <laughs> idea what you study. <laughs> Now yeah. I know it has something to do with quantum computing, which I kind of know what it means, but not really. Um, so how did how did you get to the physics? Like, where did it start? I know that your dad uh, is physicist. Uh, he won some prize, right? So a few years ago or, or something. Yeah, he did. So yes. So my dad would be closer to an astrophysicist than I'm, or at least a high energy physicist. So he's studying these um, elusive particles that are called neutrinos, which are really hard to detect, but somehow mm. they are super important towards, um, you know, uh, answering the very basic questions of how does our universe work. And I mean, he's he's onto that. Um, and yeah, he he recently won a pr prize in Slovakia um, for his scientific contribution. Um, Yeah, so, well, that, those are some shoes to fill. But um, cleverly enough, I've decided to, you know, stray from, from astrophysics or anything too related to, to uh -huh. his work uh, to not be compared or, um, you know, to not be in the same field as him. I think it's better to, to build your own, your own thing and have your own path. Um, but yeah, so coming back to the question, um, how did it start? I think one of the things about why I ended up in physics is that I was always sort of a writer at doing physics or math at school. Actually, if you, if you look at what a physicist does at like university or when, in, I mean, when you're really working, it's, I would say it's closer to math at school than to physics at school because the physics at school is kind of very applied. It just sort of tells you the consequences of things, but doesn't really tell you how to, how to sort of find out what's going on by yourself. Um, mm. But yeah, I think I think the reason, like, so okay, that was, I suppose, a necessary um, sort of a necessary, uh, like it was it was it was important that I would I would be able to you know do it. Um, so what's the word? A necessary pre prerequisite. Pre yeah, prerequisite. Yeah, that's the word. Sorry. Um, But I think why why I got to it ultimately is that uh, as a kid I would ask you know everyone asks their dad what they're doing right and and then I would ask my dad and um, he'd be like oh yeah I'm doing you know I'm a physicist and like you know I'd be I don't know I don't know how old I'd be like four or five you know this is where these things start right you're mm -hmm. I, I suppose I don't really remember to be honest um, but I remember asking him about these things and then very quickly. I would get to the limits of un being able to understand what he's talking about, right? I mean, he would try, but it's just beyond uh, like anything that you can, you know, perceive as as a small kid. And then, as the as the years would go on, you know, I'd I'd keep asking again and again, right? And every time I would know a bit more, I would understand a bit more. I'd be a bit older, right? And then. I'd sort of grasp a tiny bit more of what he's talking about, but I don't know. And then, like this whole. I, I think what what happened is this kind of managed like this transferred this interest in physics from him to me. Um, even though I do a different a different type of physics now, but like sort of trying to understand like this concept uh, sort of prevailed. And you know, funnily enough, you know, I went I went to to, to do uh, I mean an undergrad uh, in theoretical physics, and then I uh, so 
like a basically combined bachelor and master. Then I did a PhD uh, in theoretical physics. And uh, I mean, I've been working in it since uh, then, like ever since. And it's been a couple of years since I finished my PhD. And I still sometimes like don't understand what he's talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but... At least, at least I suppose the playing field evened out a bit because sometimes he also doesn't understand what I'm talking about. So, you know, we're just trying <laughs> to mutually understand each other. But uh, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, that was, that was probably the influence that, that got me there, got me to, you know, study physics. And um, you, you touched upon it a little bit. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go a little bit deeper there. It's, um, you know, you said like, it was nice that now like you start studying, you, start, you could understand it. But was there a moment because your your dad has the same name, right? Like you, right? Yeah, he does. So he has the same name. He does the same thing. Was there any like the moment that like that you that you compared to himself? He was like, how did you set it? You said it. Uh, shoes to fill. Yeah. Yeah, shoes um, to fill. How did that feel? Um. Yeah, it's a good question. So first, let me let me just give a tiny bit of background. So yes, uh, my name's Feder. My dad's name is Feder. Um, my grandpa was also called Feder and uh, my grand-grandpa as well. So I'm actually the fourth. And I do even, like one of the uh, consequences of um, having the same name as your dad is when I publish, I actually put like, an, uh, like a Roman IV behind my name just so people know that it's like a paper published by myself and not my dad. <laughs> so that's already like a real life consequence. And by the way, yeah, so I, I, I do have a, a son who's um, a bit more than a year old. <laughs> and and he's called, well, he has two names. He's called Fedor Levy. So he has a second name in case he doesn't like the tradition. Um, but it was, I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't break it. So I had to, I had to name him Fedor as well. And luckily my wife, uh, Fabienne, agreed with it. Um, so yeah, he's Fedor the fifth, and let's see how far we get. Um, where, anyhow, where, the, so, where, where the grandpas also, and grandpa and grand grandpas also physicists? Um, no. So um, actually, grand grandpa, I'm not even completely entirely sure what his profession was. But my grandpa was sort of between engineer and chemistry. Um, oh, okay. So, so, so you, you, know, you know, very different. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, some, something about my family is like, is weird in the sense that everyone's a physicist. So my, actually my grandpa from the other side, from my mother's side, he was a physicist and my grandma as well. Uh, she, I mean, she doesn't practice anymore, but she, she also has a physics degree. My mom studied physics. My dad is a physics professor. From my grandma, from my um, from my dad's side, she was a physics teacher actually, and she was a physics teacher at the school. So I've never met her. She died before before I was born, but she was a physics teacher at the school I went to, and somehow mm. all the older older teachers remembered her. And apparently, she was super strict. So uh, you know, then I was. I would always hear that, like, oh, if your grandma would see this, you'd, you know, be in real trouble. <laughs> but it, <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, my aunt is a physicist, married to a physicist. My cousin, Lee, um, he did a PhD in uh, mm -hmm. theoretical physics. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's s something about uh, about the gene in our, in our families that we get attracted by this. 
which is odd, but I guess, yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, so coming back to your question um, about um, somehow feeling that I have to fill the shoes of my dad, I ultimately, I, I, I cannot say why, but I don't think I felt it this way ever. So I was not really comparing myself to him. I think because, in a way, he's... Uh, I don't know, like as a father figure, it's a bit different, right? You're, you're not like, I don't know, at least in my case, I didn't feel like I'm in competition with my dad or I'm trying to, you know, one up my dad. Um, it always was like, he's just, you know, up there and like, I'll never reach there. I don't even have to like worry about this problem. Uh, ah, okay. Interesting. Um, so, but I think what I, what I did not want is I did not want people to give me a different kind of treatment for being my dad's son. And that's actually why I avoided um, sort of that um, uh, part of physics. Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, for the most part, I've once uh, I participated as like an undergrad in like, and actually that was my only uh, time. I, I did something in experimental physics. Um, there was this, uh, they had this sort of project where we went to a mountain um, called uh, Gran Sasso in Italy. Um, and it's basically a mountain. There's a highway which goes through it. Um, it's like quite deep underground. And then in the middle of that highway, there is like this tiny road that goes to the side. And then if you go there, you realize that like you come into a massive, massive, massive uh, space, which um, holds, I don't know how many, like maybe around five to ten like massive physics experiments and the point is that um they're they need to be under a mountain because they have to be shielded from um cosmic rays so like you get particles which are super high energetic and they can penetrate the earth and then they mess with your experiment and then you don't measure what you're supposed to and so a lot of the experiments are in that mountain and that was the one time i, I did something which was actually related to to what to my dad's work um and I don't know, like for example, the main the main professor on 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 that project, like he knew my dad, and it just always felt a bit weird, you know, because it's, I wouldn't say I got any preferential treatment. Like uh, it's not like I got into that project. Like everyone got into that project if they wanted to. That wasn't like I don't I don't think ultimately like I benefited positively or or actually or had a negative impact from this. But it just didn't feel right i just wanted you know people to just know me for me and not um sort of always be associated or like oh yeah he's the son of you know the other fellow shimkovitz uh, <laughs> yeah okay and um how did uh, how did physics uh, change the way you look at the world oh now come the tough philosophical questions um <laughs> Let me think about this for a second. Um, how do I? I mean, okay, uh, there are probably different aspects of this. Um, now, let me let me skip the religious one um, because I'm, I might I might. So I'm I'm a I'm an atheist, and I believe sort of being a scientist in my in my case contributed to that. Um, but I know that there are actually quite a few scientists who are religious, so it's not like a like a given that um, um, that that's the case. So let me skip that for a second. But like I think, well, on a day to day basis, probably there is no effect. Um, but in general, you get these moments where I don't know you you look at something, and you're like, oh, how does this work? And I, I think this curiosity is something that you 
that you get from mm. you know from doing physics like oh i had this amazing moment at one point um with uh, a former housemate of mine um mm-hmm. with whom i lived in london we would like sometimes you know go for coffees together and just hang out and chat and um she is more in the so she studied things which are more um related to art and she's more in the sort of art scene and um and so as you can probably imagine like the way we perceive the world is slightly different <laughs> um which you know that has no impact on the friendship but like it's just it's just interesting um and so we had this one moment where we're like walking um in uh, northeast london like uh, that was like some some street like nice street there was those um like a, for London standards anyways, like very nice weather and there was like a beautiful blue sky. And she goes like, isn't it amazing that the sky is so blue? Isn't it like interesting, like so interesting that it's blue and no other color? And, and like, so she didn't even finish the sentence. And I go like, well, actually, you know, the, the color blue is because you get uh, like light particles scattering and blah, blah. And she's like, no, you're ruining it. <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> 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 and so, so I, I suppose that, you know, that wasn't the first time I was, you know, she would ask a like sort of open-ended question and I would start trying to answer it. <laughs> but so she already knew what I was up to and that's why she stopped me. But uh, I think that's, that's maybe a good explanation of how, how you're perceiving the world slightly differently. Maybe if you're more into the sort of sciencey subjects. Well, what do what do physicists think about uh, irrationality and emotions? Uh, okay, that's. The, I mean, okay, there are. Let's 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 separate the two. Irrationality, to me, um, the way I understand it is that you make a decision, which if you thought about it um, enough, and you sort of used reason and logic you would have come to a different conclusion and that conclusion would be provably better i think that's my definition of irrationality so and you see where i'm heading with this um of course a lot of decisions that people make are based on emotions right um but i don't think that's the same thing as them like making a decision based on emotions is not the same thing as making an irrational decision um my opinion those are two very separate concepts and like quite often there is no sort of rational way of knowing what to do or what is best and then you have to rely on something right and this is where emotions come to play it's some sort of um i mean I don't know if it's, I would call it genetic, but like it's some sort of built-in mechanisms that are there to sort of uh, you know help you make decisions when you cannot um, like rationally figure out what the the best decision should be. I mean, I mean, this rational part is what supposedly or one of the things that supposedly separates us from animals, right? But like then you can you can you can say that you know animals only act upon emotions and they're doing pretty fine right i mean they're i mean okay we're we're not helping <laughs> they, they they were doing better before we started being rational but <laughs> you know uh, evolution does work to some degree right and uh, some of these sort of 
um, genetically built-in mechanisms uh, are there to help you sort of survive and to uh, multiply, you know, to have uh, offsprings. And uh, so, yeah. when was uh, when was the last time uh, you um, you uh, you took a decision because of? When was the last time you acted on your emotions instead of rationality? I, th I think this happens probably on a daily basis, and I think it happens to everyone. What about some uh, big decisions? Have, have, have there been oh, like, big decisions that you that you were like, you know, if I if I said I didn't, someone's going to hold me accountable, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm and then I'm going to remember all of the sort of irrational decisions that I've I've made. Oh, But, I, um, I have I have one in mind. Uh, I, I oh, really? We were, yeah, we were. <laughs> we were. So maybe, maybe maybe you can tell me. Then I'm going to try to justify <laughs> myself. Uh, it was somewhere on some trip and I was like standing talking about something and just <laughs> randomly tackled me <laughs> and I can rug me and I was like why? and he was, he was just like I just wanted to and I was like alright <laughs> yeah I, su I suppose I suppose that's I, I'm not sure that's a major decision <laughs> but actually may maybe maybe it was maybe this this you know ultimately changed the course of everything for you and i just don't know about it <laughs> you know this whole butterfly effect uh, is maybe coming into play here um, so first of all let me apologize for tackling you <laughs> again and i guess i'll i will I'll, it's not the last time i hear this one so i suppose i'm gonna have to apologize again at some point soon um but yeah i suppose impulsive decisions or like so, i i mean i mean a lot of the stuff that you do just for pleasure, right? You might mm. say is rational. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, let's let's take like I don't know, eating junk food, right? Or drinking alcohol, or or, or anything of the kind, right? I mean, that's sort of if 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 you want, it's actually rational in the sense that you know that the consequences of that are going to have an impact that is negative on you later on. But then you, you know, you, you sort of say, Oh, let future me worry about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, a lot of that is probably would, would count as, as, you know, um, decisions made, made from, I mean, like, yeah, being irrational. Um, actually one, one thing uh, that I found, quite interesting um, that I've read the other day um, in like um, related, related to this um, sort of, um, uh, you know, gratification on the short scale, but then not seeing the, the, the consequences in the, in the long run is that there was this experiment where they, um, they showed people pictures of um, like themselves, uh, people that they know um, celebrities uh, and, mm -hmm. They would they would sort of measure the the reactions of like how you know like do, I, mean, I I don't really remember the, the the sort of the details of the experiment but they would just see oh okay uh, whenever this person I don't know sees a photo of his loved ones or his children or his parents like there is some sort of emotional reaction that can be measured mm. I don't know by um, changing heartbeat or I, I'm I'm inventing sort of the Yeah. The science part of it, but yeah, and then they so to to get to the point. At one point, they would also um, show a photo of the people themselves, but sort of AI um, uh, processed 
to make it look like you in, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, or you as an old person. And funnily enough, people had no emotion at all towards that. And so people don't yeah. care about their future self. Like they don't really, it's not someone that, of course, because you don't know your future self yet, right? So you're doing things for the you right now, but not for the you in like 10 or 20 years. And I mean, that explains a lot of what's what's going on, in my opinion, at least. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it's, uh, um, yeah, yeah, let, let the future <laughs> me care about it. Uh, so I suppose right hmm? to, to maybe come back to your question of, you know, big rational decisions, I can't straight away give you an example of like a decision that I made, but more, um, I definitely can like think of examples of where I was just like, feeling like unhappy or, uh, you know, exhausted or not able to like cope with the situation. And uh, it would sort of not be based on, on some sort of rational thinking, right? I mean, what I'm trying to say is I can think of a lot of examples of uh, like emotions overwhelming me and like sort of clouding my judgment. I mean, that, that happens uh, regularly. Um, like what? Because uh, you know we we're going back. I still have this over idolize. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> image so, of Fedor uh, who has it all sorted out. <laughs> he has yeah, this uh, physics framework that he puts on everything. And <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah. So, so I, I think I think uh, actually this year was a bit was a bit um, tough in that respect. Um, so I mean, as I mentioned, uh, my son was born a bit over a year ago. And at the time, we were still in Paris. And then um, I was sort of trying to find jobs in academia. And I wasn't very happy with the opportunities that were presented there. So at one point, I decided to sort of switch and um, like go for a job in the industry. And so I interviewed with, with a quantum computing company in, uh, in Munich. So, I mean, the one that I'm working for mm -hmm. right now. And uh, I got the job. And so in April, we decided to move um, to Munich. And at the same time, um, we sort of, yeah, we, we had to take care of, of, of Lil Feather. And like, I had to sort of, you know, slightly change my work and, you know, learn new things to be able to perform mm -hmm. at this job. And then we didn't have an apartment. It took us like four months to find an apartment in Munich just because it's, it's very, it's very hard here. And, and then there were like, okay, so because we are us, we decided that we're going to have a wedding, uh, in June. It's actually the wedding we already planned uh, to have two years ago, but then the pandemic happened. So that got mm. postponed. And so we got into this point where, um, like, yeah, new job, new place, uh, trying to find an apartment, trying to organize your wedding, trying to do a million other things at the same time, and then having a kid to take care of, uh, you know, without basically, um, you know, any like direct uh, support from, from, you know, like friends or family, because we just don't know anyone and or didn't know anyone at the time in Munich. And yeah, I was, I was really quite unhappy. And like the first, I don't know, I feel like the first month in Munich, I was just, <laughs> I was just terrible to be around. I was constantly like, 
annoyed, nagging, in a bad mood, not wanting to do things. Like and now in hindsight, I, and I sort of knew that, like deep down, I knew that actually it's not that bad and I should just get my, uh, so to say, get my shit together and, you know, um, somehow try to see the positives and, you know, get out of that hole. But yeah, for, for quite some time, I was just <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how Fabian <laughs> could like stand me, uh, because I, I was just, just not, not like nice to be around, I suppose. Um, and like, I couldn't do anything about it. Like deep down I knew, but like, that was just, yeah, like very irrational and very driven by not the right kind of emotions uh, and being able to control that, right? I mean, emotions are not good or bad, but you should be able to sort of kind of step to the side and look at what's going on in your head from like an outside perspective and then sort out what is good and bad about it and how you can use it. But that's easier said than done. Uh, and yeah. 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 You know what's that? I, I, I recently uh, viewed this new movie. It's called Stutz, I think. And it's about this uh, therapist or psychotherapist. I don't know what's the right word for him. And he um, works with a lot of celebrities in, um, I think, in Hollywood. One of them is Jonah Hill, and he did the movie about him. Um, and it's a very interesting movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, definitely recommend. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But he, in that movie, he said that the only thing that's certain is uh, there will always be pain, uncertainty, and work to do. You know, so that's not something uh, you can kind of uh, kind of avoid, right? Would it be something that we do differently? Like uh, you, you're asking uh, in um, sort of in regards to to to, to this experience of, yeah, of moving yeah. here. Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I I, I think I think I could have definitely just try to see the positives and try to you know create happiness um somehow rather than just focus on being unhappy um you would you know there would, there would be a weekend and i'd be like ah whatever doesn't matter like there's nothing we can do on a weekend anyways you know we have a kid so we can't go out there are like no good restaurants in Munich. Uh, like coming off, yeah, coming to Munich from Paris was a bit tough in that respect. Um, <laughs> even 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 though they they are, and I found them later. But you know, I'd be like, oh, there's nothing to do. Uh, you know, it's all pointless. Might as well just stay in bed, and you know, like, or well, you can't stay in bed because you have a kid, but like, not do anything exciting. But then instead of that, you could you can just you know go and try to find something or create something. I mean, you don't really need much, right? You, I mean. Mm. You, you you can you can you know generate like something interesting to do for yourself i mean i don't know learn a new hobby or or just visit places or i don't know like i think being proactive in, in this respect is something that is good but it's not so easy especially when you're down so how how does it because this wasn't the first time you moved right you moved around uh, quite a lot to a lot of different countries uh, um, a lot of different places across the world how how was that experience because I've been moving around and I know that sometimes it's tough you always change the place it's nice to have friends all around the world right I, definitely something I'm happy about but then sometimes you move to a new place. And it it can be tough to all because you need to find new friends. You somehow need to co keep contact with the old friends. Uh, 
How, how did you experience uh, this? Because you moved around a lot more than, than I, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know about that. You've moved around quite a lot yourself, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's easier when you're younger um, because, first of all, you're more like easily excited about things. Mm. Um, and you have, I think you also have more time or like you're quicker at rebuilding a, like a, a life and, you know, finding friends. Like, let's, um, I mean, if I, com- if I compare um, going from, say, Slovakia after, after finished school to Germany for, for, for university or going from Germany to, I mean, uh, ultimately to London to, to do my PhD, still there is not that much responsibility that you have. And um, you have a lot of time. You don't realize it when you're young, but you actually have a lot of time to do things. <laughs> Um, of course, you waste most of it, and people older than you will try to explain to you that you shouldn't, but you don't listen. And I guess that's just how the world works. Um, but you know, I would come to London, and, and within a few weeks, I would like know lots of people, do stuff with them, find new hobbies. Uh, it's it's quite easy at like at least when you're younger, I find. Then now this move was was very different in the sense that. I mean, we already had some routines established in Paris, you know, had a life there, had some friends there. And now you have to go sort of back to zero, but it's not like obvious that you're going to find all of these friends again quickly. I think also you're getting more selective as you get older with friends, right? You don't just want to hang out with anyone and everyone. You, You sort of want people who are a bit like the good old friends that you already have, but they're not the the ones that are, you know, not in your city, uh, so to say. Um, so, and finding those people is maybe even not just finding them. Maybe the people like you can find so, like the, the right, the right material for, for, for such friends, but it takes time to build that friendship, right? You will, you sort of need to go through like adventures together or like, even like have a, a common history that that you can draw upon when when you're meeting mm. again, and then 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 it's uh, it's a lot easier to um, to hang out with people that that you know for for that you've known for a while than, than people who sh- you've just met, right? It's like a well seasoned wok pan. Uh, you know, there's already a lot of oil, so nothing burns. <laughs> um, no, but um, yeah, I, I don't know, like. Even I'm thinking about Paris, like some of the good friends that we made there, I'm thinking about the first, you know, dinners or or nights out that we'd have with them. And they were a bit awkward, right? Because you don't really know exactly what to talk about. So you're trying to, you know, find common themes. Mm. And, uh, you know, there there is no, you cannot make inside jokes because they don't exist yet. You, You have to, like... You don't know their opinions about some subjects, so maybe you need to be a bit careful that you know you don't you don't you know, offend or say the wrong thing or, um, and that's very different to you know just going going out with your I mean I don't know homies from like to, like like you guys right you Andy Razo who was mm-hmm. also on this show uh, like we've known each other for forever so you just you can pick up where you left off the conversation last time and like as if nothing happened. Um, it's just so much easier. And yeah, anyway, so what I'm trying to say is that establishing this takes time and effort. And 
if you have a lot of time um, and not much uh, to do in terms of responsibilities, then that's a lot easier than when you, you know, you have to start a new job and perform well straight away. You have a kid to take care of, right? And there is no off button for having mm. a kid. Like, it's not like you can decide, oh, no, this weekend, ah, forget it. I'm too tired. I'm just going to watch Netflix the whole time and eat pizza that I order in, right? It doesn't work like that. You can't do that. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that's that's why it uh, sort of got under my skin. Um, I think that's why this move was tougher. And I, I guess every move after that is going to become tougher and tougher yet. Just because, yeah, you just realize you've been through this before and you realize you're starting from zero, you're starting from scratch mm. and you have to like put in the effort again. And then, you know, you might ask, oh, was it even worth putting the effort because, uh, you know, or like, what if I move in a couple of years again? Like, do I even need friends uh, because they'll be gone <laughs> after that? Of course, that's not the right way of thinking. The the interesting thing is that... Uh... You talk about uh, meeting these people for the first time and being awkward. I never thought about you this way. I thought you just like, you, you, to me, you were always this naturally, uh, um, I don't know, outgoing person that's uh, is getting in the group, talks to people, and uh, has plenty of story and things to talk about. And uh, it's interesting. No, but I, th I think that's, uh, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a bit more of an extrovert kind of person um, and you're maybe somewhat right about that. that I don't, I don't feel too bad about, you know, talking to new people, but what I'm trying to say is the quality of the conversation and like the, the like overall of people talking to each other who just met is going to be different to the one uh, between people who have known each other for a long time. Right. And it really depends, right? Sometimes you click. I mean, I've had these moments where, you know, you, you meet a person Oh, actually, I, I you know I'm speaking to one of them, um, <laughs> and then like half an hour later, you're like best friends, and you you sort of you know click immediately. You find all the right topics to talk about, um, but that's not always the case, and that doesn't mean that those people couldn't become very good friends of yours. It's just that sometimes you need to find a way, uh, and you know that takes time. It's like a process, and that might be because of you, might be because of them, might be. I don't know. Could could be a lot of things, but uh, you sort of what, what I'm. I think what I'm trying to say is that you you kind of have to like invest into a friendship um, at least in the start, right? Then maybe it's oh, actually also after, but yeah, like any relationship, right? Yeah, exactly. I agree, and, and I think that one thing that you didn't mention that at least to me is important. That's why I think we also clicked that fast, and I clicked with. Uh, Andy and actually everybody in the US group, I have a story like I, I had uh, with you and that's about the vulnerability, you know, I think when you, um, yeah, when you, when you get to, when people open up, you can have a different type of conversation, right? If you want to have good quality conversation, like people need to give in something. That's um, true. And that's why I can have uh, in certain ways, sometimes better conversation with Mraz nowadays than with other people in our group because he went through certain experiences. He talked about it differently. He's way more vulnerable than he used to be. You know, he used to be this uh, <laughs> kind of very, how would we say it? I don't, I don't want to say robot because that sounds too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, but uh, co corporate pragmatic, we called it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and that's, that's actually always, like with this friendship group, it's quite interesting to see how 
I mean, the way the way maybe you uh, wrongfully ide- idealized my life, I, you know, I think everyone does that, right? And I'm also like, yeah, if I think about Razo before, you know, he sort of opened up about having, uh, you know, sort of depression uh, issues. Like, yeah, I would have never guessed. I would have thought, no, you know, he just goes to, to work, does his job brilliantly, goes back, has like some hobbies, is happy and, you know, goes to bed with a smile but of course yeah that's not true right um but uh, yeah and i mean that I, th- I think opening up about these things is, is is a good thing and um also that's why i value this friendship group so much um mm. because people are quite open especially for eastern european standards i mean yeah we, dev- yeah. we we well we didn't start it that way <laughs> let's let's put it there. i think you know over the we've been friends so more than 14 years and i think uh, um i've seen on people how they changed a lot actually i probably on everybody like people became more vulnerable we talk more about emotion and stuff stuff we didn't talk before or maybe we talked but only after like 7 years you know the classic <laughs> uh, <laughs> the classic Eastern Europeans, uh, I think. Um, I think we also, we didn't really know how to talk about it, right? We would talk about it maybe after seven beers, but uh, we'd just be saying random things and like really couldn't, at least I feel like that myself. Like I, I wouldn't have been, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to really properly phrase what's wrong or what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. But like, I, I think the, one might say the vocabulary got better um, on our side, right? We we understand the concepts a bit better, and we can, we, you know, we can then maybe talk more in detail or like more deeply. Mm. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it's part of it, um, and I think the other part is to experience. You know, people like mm-hmm. went through a different type of uh, shits in their life. Um, or shitstorms, as somebody said uh, to me once. <laughs> and I think that that uh, even if it happens to your friends, I think in, indirectly to some way it uh, changes you, right? Because you hear about yeah, a lot definitely. of things happening, uh, but you're always like, yeah, well, that that the kind of in your head. Maybe you don't even like say it out loud, but I think there's this like thought, like, okay, but that will never happen to you know, like we are all doing great. It's gonna be great, and. Uh, and then you like through life things happen and you start realizing like oh shit like this happens these thing happens and they happen like to people I love uh, around so I think that that uh, changes people and I have a question for you because I never ask you but um, how did you um, how did you experience Liz dying because uh, you know I was always focused on myself when that happened but I never really talked to many people about like well, well how did they process it or, or felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so I think first a bit of background, um, and that is due to the pandemic, right? I've never really met her in mm. person, right? We have never been in the same room, um, which is a bit, I, I think this somehow is important to to my, um, like, say, reaction, because on one, like, on one hand, I know you, right? And I I understood what's happening to you, but I like I, I only met her. I think we zoomed what twice, maybe. So we did a pub quiz once where mm. uh, you guys were were part of it, and uh, I think we zoomed once just 
like for fun during the pandemic when everyone no, was you, sort of we, close we, I remember when we I don't know if he zoomed. I think we zoomed. Um, yeah, yeah, or called when you had uh, when you announced us that uh, yes. you're gonna have a header. I remember that one. Yeah, We're that was just a call. That wasn't uh, that that wasn't a zoom. That was a call. But I also called you, right? Even even back then. So I understood that she was in the room, right? And I think maybe she even said something yeah. quickly on the phone, right? But ultimately the call was with you. So to me, the two times that I got like to know her a tiny bit, uh, mm. uh, at least, um, was was the two Zoom uh, sort of calls, uh, with one being the, the pub quiz. And so I think... Due to that, due to not knowing her that well, I think I focused a lot more on um, sort of feeling terrible for you. Uh, and sort of, again, this is, you're completely right. This is one of those things where you, yeah, you, you think of, I don't know, something like suicide. You think of it as a faraway concept that happens to people who are not you or your friends and you don't really... Um, Right. I mean, you, you can, I mean, of course you can relate, right? You, you understand that, that it's terrible and, but you could never imagine what a person feels, right? Both the person, like actually both the person who, who commits suicide or the, the person who, or the people who, who are left behind and have to sort of deal with the consequences of that. And so, yeah, I've, I mean, okay. So this was actually the second instance that um i got into contact with um sort of suicide one of them being the first one was um a family friend of ours um committed suicide a couple of years before that and um actually that was that was also that also also hit me um personally um because he was sort of okay when i when i was a teenager um i was really into martial arts and he was the guy who sort of introduced me to to aikido um because he was already like uh, going to a, like he was part of an aikido club um in bratislava and then at one point he was like hey you want to come like check it out and then i went and then for a couple of years actually I, I i did it and i loved it and so you know twice or three times a week i would like walk a couple of streets and get uh, into his car and we would drive mm. to the practice and then drive back and, you know, talk about music and like, so, I mean, to some degree, okay. He was, he was, uh, of course, uh, quite a bit older than me. Um, so more like a friend of my parents, but still, you know, it was kind of like nearly a friendship sort of thing. And then, yeah. And then somehow, oh, I mean, at some point, of course I moved abroad and, you know, I would maybe see him once in a long time. And, yeah. uh, I sort of only, only through like my parents heard that sort of his marriage didn't go very well and they split up and then he was kind of doing soul searching but couldn't really find anything to grasp mm -hmm. to and then one day uh, basically they, my, my parents called me my mom called me i think and you know, told me that he committed suicide and that was like it was quite shocking um and so that was sorry i i went a bit on a on a tangent so that was the first time i ever sort of experienced that. And so I got a bit of the feeling um, of what it sort of means to be the people left behind. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I mean, I've, when you, when you, when you, well, wasn't, I've, I haven't first heard it from you, right? I heard it from, from um, 
Peter Sivatrick, so Sivo, uh, another friend mm-hmm. of ours, I think he was, he was the first one to tell me. Um, and yeah, I just felt terrible. I mean, both for her and I was just shocked because you, you two seemed like, you know, s- such a great couple and like, I would have never guessed. Uh, and then I was, I was just really terrified for like what this is going to do to you. Um, and how you, how you can get out of it because okay on a sort of very maybe stupid but like pragmatic level um she's gone but you have to you have to i mean you have to deal with the consequences right you you still like there is uh, i don't know if i'm uh, formulating this this the way i want to but yeah i was i was just i was just basically worried about you and trying to think how i could help you and hoping that you know this is not going to also, you know, um, spiral your life out of control or, you know, do, do irrepar- irreparable damage to it. And I'm actually very glad to see that I, I, I think it did not. I think you, you actually managed like exceptionally well for the circumstances. I, I understand that th- that's something that you don't ever uh, lose or, you know, that's something that you, you bear f- with you for, you know, the rest of your life, this sort of... Um, like this happening i don't know i don't really know if there's like a a good way of managing it a bad way of managing it uh, it's kind of a weird concept to me i agree um, and yeah of course it 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 stays with you and uh and it's also something that you know it's not like oh you know you made it through your first week and then it's done it's something that uh comes back and it goes come back and it goes and sometimes it's stronger, um, and sometimes it's weaker, uh, and it probably gets somewhat better over time, like a long time over long time. But it's definitely something that uh, stays with you. It's something that definitely changes you in uh, many ways. Um, yeah, I think maybe one of the one of the stories that well, stories one of the Sort of events that I remember um, mm. related related to this suicide is that um, at some point later, right, uh, our common friend Andy he had his um, I mean he was going to have his wedding and he had his uh, uh, sort of bachelor's uh, kind of weekend where we all decided to go to Romania to hang out uh, and just it, it felt a bit like one of these trips that we've done in our friendship groups to random places and to just hang out mm. with your friends and, you know, um, bond. And, um, and of course this was not very long after, um, Liz death and, uh, and you were supposed to go and we were all like really unsure whether, you know, that's gonna, you know, do you any good at all to sort of, be in a sort of situation where people are supposedly having fun and, you know, drinking, I don't know, having, you know, going out, all of this. Um, and, but you, you, you said you're going to go and I thought, well, okay, great. By the way, I also wasn't sure. I, of I course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, no, uh, no one can know, right. There is no, there is no experience to draw upon whether this is a good idea or not. Um, and, 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 you know, we talked about the, the kind of emotional decisions or something. And actually, I don't know if it's emotional decision, but I like, I kind of felt it made sense. Um, 
and I didn't know what's going to do. But then on the hand, you know, it also kind of rationally, I thought, I either going to be in Prague, where I was dreaded every every minute of, of being uh, alone. Um, and um, And usually only people can be certain amount of time with you and then you kind of emotionally maybe drain them. I never really thought about it, but maybe... And so you like I was always looking forward for other people who came around and talked to me or called me or like something I could kind of get through time really at, at that point I think um and here I was and uh, either being being there and meant that where you went there I also meant a lot of people left Prague actually a lot of people yeah. who were there like you know Libor and and Ola they moved to, uh, away at the same time. And my other friend went to Israel. So like a lot of people were not in Prague. And then I could be with people that I really love for a whole weekend, which makes sense. Okay, the circumstances questionably of 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 um, what it's gonna do. Um but I think ultimately I'm um it sounds like a weird thing to do, you know, maybe in this time, but I think it helped me. Um because I was there with people I love and I could have, uh, I had a lot of conversations with different people. Um, I got a little bit distracted. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so about that, um, so about that time we were um, then, so we made it to, uh, to Romania, right? Uh, to Bucharest. And so I remember sort of deciding that my strategy um, for, you know, like, how to best, you know, well, I was thinking not, not really like help you, but like, I, I think my, my strategy was that I'm going to just treat you the way I would always treat you like on any of these events and just, you know, like if you want to talk about Liz, we'll talk about Liz, but I'm like, not going to ask you things about it. not going to push you in that direction and just, you know, try to, have fun with you, right? And like make you maybe not forget, but get distracted. I think you said it, you said it right. And then, so I did that for one day and I think a couple of other people sort of came to the same conclusion. And then I remember you, you coming to me and you were actually sort of, I don't know, like what the emotion was, maybe disappointed or like mm. you, were, you weren't understanding, like you wanted the opposite. You actually wanted to talk about it, right? And that mm. was, that was very, um, sort of revelatory uh like i didn't uh yeah uh, it was exactly the opposite to what i thought would be good for you but of course you never know right because none of us have ever been in that situation yeah and that's i mean i was thinking about that a lot uh since then that like actually but maybe yeah is it what, what do you think do you think it's like ultimately um better to talk about these things for everyone or is it just you personally that you felt it's better to talk about it than not um like maybe maybe my question to you is like what what does a person in such a situation long for like from friends i mean okay i understand other than just their mere presence that's uh wow difficult question so first of all i would say yes it's better to talk about it but i also would say at whoever, like at your own time, you know, um, because uh, everybody needs different time. And I kind of decided very early on that I'm going to talk about it. Um, I don't know. It just felt right, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was very honest with everybody. And then like people come to me like, 
oh, we're not going to tell the grandma, we're going to tell her some story. And I was like, I mean, she's growing up, you know, like, you're just going to like lie to her. It's like, that, it happened. Like, there's like, you can't change it, you know, it's a, it just felt that that's, that's the way. And then you said what the person needs. I think uh, you need to ask. Like, um, you, I don't think there's any better way than than than, um, than asking. Because, you know, like, I think one of the reasons that, um, and I talked about it in some other episode, I think, is that when people, um, when you are in, like, at least the first maybe few weeks or months, when I was meeting somebody and they kind of didn't, acknowledge that it happened it's it felt really weird you know it felt like like it wasn't important or uh, yeah it's like it's not important enough to even like say something about it you know and also the other thing is you have to think about it that everything else for me was at the time bullshit you know i remember being like um in some supermarket with my dad at one point and there was this there was this like there was these things happening and i was like why are people doing this? You know, why why they are here? Like, are they argued about some bullshit? You know, about whatever to buy something black or white, and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's like a meaningless discussion to have. You know, like why are you even bothered? And uh, um, so yeah, so that that kind of I perceive like most of the conversations. Um, it definitely is nice to be distracted. You know, I had like I had another friend, but he went through a lot of shit. You know, his mom died. Um, his his brother um, also had some like issues, and he was basically alone because they, they, his parents were divorced. So he had to like take care of a lot of things. And um, I met him at one point, and he didn't like. Actually, I met him with Siwa. I kind of blasted everything on him, and then uh, at the end of the, uh, and I didn't know that he didn't know. I th- I thought he knew what happened, but he didn't. So I kind of like blasted everything on him. I don't know. And uh, and then at the end he was like, "Let's go for a walk to the forest next uh, next day because my parents live next next to the forest." And we were we went on a walk, and we walk around, and he didn't mention this even once. And with him, it felt okay because I knew, like maybe I felt like he understands because he have proved something similar. So I didn't really. It was okay to not have this acknowledgement, like okay, this happened, and that acknowledgement doesn't have to always come with um, you know words. Sometimes it comes with hack or something. Yeah, I was I was about to ask how like what what a good way of acknowledging it is because of course from the from the point of view of let's say um, well your friend right or someone who's trying to to, to sort of uh, help you or be there for you. It's also not so clear what you know what is good and what is not and how to do it. And of course, you, even asking feels so. You know, you you said like, oh, you should just ask um, what the person needs, right? Even that feels a bit like you're already failing, right? You're like you should know what your friend needs. That's how I mean. That's how like I remember our first. I think that was the first time I called you after it happened, and we had a pretty long call. And the whole call I had, like, I was, I just had no idea what to say. Like, you know, we were basically, I feel like there were also like really long moments of just silence from both sides because I, well, I suppose I mean, you were just devastated. And I, 
couldn't for the life of me figure out what I could say to make you feel better or to give support, right? Or, I mean, you know, I can, like, I would obviously say those things like, I'm sorry, and I don't know, you're going to get through this. But, like, I don't, I don't even, I still don't know if that's what, like, a person in your situation wants to hear or, right? I remember the, the one thing that sort of, um, worked and i think mm. that's how the conversation went towards the end was where we would just start talking about like old memories or just like completely unrelated things but we would just have a conversation and it would feel good and i felt like that was the only the only thing that kind of worked but i guess in terms of well acknowledging um liz death i mean okay yeah I, obviously i acknowledged it right because we talked about it but i wasn't sure what mm. Well, like how I can actually help, right? It's... Um, well, I think there's a couple of things in that. Um, one, the fact that you took the action and you called me, it's already so much. Because, you know, you said like, I don't know what to say. But then imagine how much harder is it for the person on the other side. You know? For sure, yeah. Because you're even more fucked up. and You don't know what you can, can't. So I think that's one thing. I also don't think there's, like, you can just say, I don't know what to say. Actually, a lot of people know that. Yeah, some people said it, like, I don't know what to say. I said that, yeah, I remember. Yeah, but that's, like, that's fair, you know? Like, I don't, what do you think? Do you think I know what to say about it? I don't know what to say about it, too. It didn't make any sense to me, you know? Um, So, yeah, and then just, um, and then just ask, because, you know, you, you don't know. And uh, and I think that um, I would be leaning in uh, towards the fact that there's probably a lot less bad things you can do when you take the action and talk to people than there is of bad thing that you can say and really uh, disrupt the person. Because, I mean, they already went through so much, you know. Everything else seems like such a small thing, you know. You can, like... Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> now I remember once being. It was at a different wedding because there were two weddings. It was Andy's wedding. It was Jacob weddings after or before. I don't know. And um, I was th- I was talking to somebody, and they were like, "Yeah, well, like, what happened?" Because I was not like looking my best, you know. And I kind of told them about what happened, and they literally like I stopped talking and they left, <laughs> like without saying anything, you know. Oh my god! And I was like. That's, uh, uh, and you could say, you know, I could be angry or something, but yeah, it was, it was weird. Uh, but at the same time, my emotions were in so much like other things that this was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like, if anything, I think I do have some resentment that I'm still trying to work out through to people who didn't really get in touch with me. Uh, I because I, you, it feels like I'm going through this shit and we've been friends or whatever and you can't even be like text me or, or give me a call or um, or say anything you know like when I really needed you because that's for friends right for right so yeah so that happened yeah I see yeah. yeah yeah with a few people it's uh, and I you know and you know, I shouldn't have that resentment because I don't know, you know, probably people don't know how to talk about it and it's tough. 
but it's still there and it's something um, I have to work out through, right? Like step by step. Yeah. Th- those, uh, th- these are feelings, you know, like you said, like controlling feelings, but I think you just also need to like feel it. I logically know, you know, I should maybe try to resolve that res- resentment instead of carrying it with me, you know, and talk to the people. But still, there is the feeling. So, you know, it takes, it needs some time probably for me to get to the point where I can like work it out. Or maybe they'll just get lost and. Slightly related, but maybe also slightly unrelated question. Like now you've been on the other side of the globe for a while. Hmm. How do you, how do you feel this is, this is helping you or do you feel it is helping you? That's a great question. I do think it helps me because, first of all, being here makes me kind of feel closer to this because it's a it's Latin culture and people are warmer. I don't know. We both like traveling, so traveling is also something that I enjoy. Not all the time, to be honest, on this trip, but sometimes. So <laughs> that's that's something. I think it also helps because you meet a lot of different people and if you feel and you can be vulnerable with them. I had so many conversations that kind of helped my healing, that, that gave me a different perspective that allowed me to talk about it. Because honestly, you know, you can talk about it with your friends for so long, but I can't really remember last time somebody asked me about Liz, you know, or something like that. Um, just those conversations like kind of vanished. Um, and you still, and you still, and I think I still need to talk about it sometimes. So I think that that helps. And I think that, you know, the, this kind of death of somebody close to you, I think opens a lot of us a question about yourself, lots of your insecurities and things. Um, and this trip has been a lot about kind of dealing with them. You know, it doesn't come like suddenly, you know, but, you know, some, some things happens and then a few months down the road, you're like, oh man, like, I don't know, like the, the, in that movie that I talked about, the Stutz, right? They talk about this uh, non-attachment, which I think is related to the fact that everything you have is on borrowed time and will disappear one day. And I think we have this romantized romantized ideas of every, like, you have friends for life, if this for life, and that for life, but it doesn't really work like that. And we live longer time, the the world is more chaotic and disruptive, and people move around, all kind of fun of things. So... A lot of the time, a lot of the relationships, not, not just like romantic, but also friendships, like kind of vanish and things. And to me, like, you know, when I when I felt like a deep connection with somebody I met, I formed like these deep connections and then those people like vanished. And that, that was very hurtful. And it was hurtful because I felt like I'm losing another person, you know, and I already lost one person that I love. And kind of learning how to deal with, uh, with this, I think that's, that's what the travel helps for. Because in travel, you will meet a lot of people and they will be nice and you will have sometimes a deep connection uh, because people are more vulnerable and they don't really give a care, you know, shit about what they say uh, as much and they have less filters. So kind of having those connections and being able to, to let go, I think it helps uh, processing things. So that's, that's one like example. So do you have one singular event uh, that happened for your trip, which where you would say like sort of, I don't know, it kind of, something clicked for you or you you sort of made progress by just that one event or something like that? 
I don't know if there's like, <laughs> like for example, watching this movie. <laughs> if I go back to it now, okay, but, uh, because that was really, uh, really powerful. And I, but it's not a single event, you know, because I can relate to things in the movie as I think back about the trip. Like those things kind of click together. I don't think there's like mm-hmm. one single event that's like, oh, this is it. I think it's an event that kind of brings things together. Maybe that there would be a better way to go. Um, but that, for example, I had a really bad side of the trip. The first three weeks, I did not enjoy much. There were some nice moments, but it was tough. And then I landed in this uh, beach town in north of Brazil, and I got there with a group of people that were really good. And the hostel was good, and it was just this magical vibe, and people really connected. But for me, it was still difficult. You know, I didn't know how to talk about people about, should I tell them, should I not tell them? And I was kind of... And I kind of didn't want to maybe tell them even. And that it was also um, a death anniversary of, of, of Liz at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched, uh, I got a DVD from her sister about about Liz, which I thought was like memories of Liz. And, I, and it's going to sound really weird, but I, I was scared to open it. I don't know why, but I, I thought like, if I'm going to see it, it's going to like completely uh, fuck me up. Um I think that Sorry. actually makes complete sense, no? That you were scared to open it. I mean... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But uh, I didn't open it. I opened it. Uh, but then, on her uh, death anniversary, I decided I'm going to watch it. I thought like, okay, I think I'm ready. I'm going to watch it. And it wasn't just memories of her. It was also her funeral. Uh, just very strange to to watch because I, I didn't go to that funeral, you know? was on the other side of the world and mm. do you think this seeing the funeral gave you some sort of closure maybe maybe i don't know it was difficult to see this kind of you know in the funeral but it was also nice to hear all the like her family mostly talking about her that was really nice uh but what happened the next day was kind of i think it was the next day or the two days after i had this like zen day i was so calm i was so present and everything was just like nice easy it's like a really blissful day i would say and i had many conversations about liz with a lot of different people and then i talked to this guy and um his uh and we started talking and then he was like yeah my grandma died and his grandma was very important to him because um you know she was uh, kind of his mom because i think something happened to his mom so she was taking care of him and then I told him about what happened to Liz. And uh, and then he told me, yeah, I had a girlfriend. We broke up. And she died by suicide as well, like one month before we had this conversation. And I'm sitting there oh. with this guy. And and uh, and it's just so surreal because, you know, you're like, this is happening just to me. And then you're like, no, this is not just happening to you. You know, it's happening to uh, other people around you. Um, and I cannot imagine, I can not really put in words of why I thought that that experience was important on the journey, but somehow it was. Um, it was also the fact that we could talk about it and, and there was something to share. And uh, Did you find that the way he was dealing with it was um, sort of similar to yours or did he have a different approach? Um, I don't think we talk about it so much in this way. Mm-hmm. 
because you know i don't know it was one month that it happened and, and we talked about it well we didn't talk about it like okay so let's sit down and let's write uh, our notebooks <laughs> of how we're doing with things like i saw the conversation like you, you, you know i no, of <laughs> course, not but... like a framework or theoretical uh, i understand <laughs> thing out to do with it uh i think it's more about talking about the feelings about the stuff and and just the fact that you can be there with that person and talk about it. Um, because for me, you know, I, I had a person who had went through the same thing like me, pretty much, who reached out to me and who kind of, you can say, mentored me or, or have been there for me in a way that other people can't really because they don't have the same experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's always helpful. And being able to kind of be on the other side, maybe, and, and try to kind of be there for somebody who went through something like that you know i think that's uh, that's part of the healing experience you know yeah that makes sense for sure how does it feel to have this conversation good actually i i i think i, I was meaning to have this kind of conversation with you i mean ever since it happened but it's it's never so simple right because we don't like when we when we have a call, right? It's more like, a, "Hey, how's it going? What's new?" Sort of update. Uh, it's always one of us, you know, having to run somewhere to do something. Um, we never take the time to, you know, have this sort of deeper discussion about about what happened um, in person. And most of the time, if we meet, like, you know, in real life, that. That normally means that it's not just the two of us, but it's a whole friendship group. And then again, it's not the same thing because, yeah, even if you find a bit of time, you know, like within whatever evening or day, uh, you know, that is mm. with all the others, there's always someone else coming in or talking about something or joining or mm. it's so, so yeah, having, having like this longer, deeper conversation with you i think is, is is something i really meant to do for a while to sort of understand especially like going back to what i was mentioning about um about romania um mm. like i still felt that this this sort of left uh like left questions for me right where i was like okay i feel like i maybe didn't like help you or didn't approach it the best way i possibly could but also i don't know what it is right i couldn't quite understand how else uh, one should approach? And I mean, maybe we're still not. Uh, you know, we're a bit wi wiser, but like not. We're not. We're not at the point where we have all the answers. But at least I can see your side of the of the of the coin a bit better. And this, like, I really like that you the the part where you said um, that to a person where something like this happens the details of like a conversation like this, um, they're not that important, right? On the, on the big scale of things, they're mm. just noise. So it's like the gesture is important. And I suppose maybe the content to some degree, right? But it's, it's like, there is not one like particular wrong thing that you'll say. And, you know, I'm, you know that's going to like make it really bad for you because it's already really bad. So, you know, Mm. Like, yeah, I, I think I think this is this is quite like yeah. The, this reveals a bit to me like uh, what was going on in your head at the time. Um, By the way, I had a lot of these conversations at your wedding as well. 
I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was not part of that because I was too busy. <laughs> That's okay. Like, and, and there, there was no doing the wedding. Of... I see. Yeah, that makes sense. I, so about my wedding, did you, or actually any wedding that you went to after, after that, did, did that, were you like fine with going to weddings or did that give you somehow a bittersweet taste because this would kind of remind you of your loss? Yeah, I said it in the, in the, in the zero episode. Now, I think that there's this kind of a nice side of it when you are around people that you love and like all the weddings that I went to, well, actually there were three. There were your Andy's and my friend James wedding. And all the people on there are, are people are very much like they're all amazing people. So that that's really nice. But at the same time, it's like I was supposed to go there with Liz, at least to the first wedding. I'll probably go to your as well if she would be here, right? So it's also it's also sad to be there and uh, not being able to be be there with her, not being able to experience this moment, and partially maybe also not being able to have this moment with her. And finally, also. But it's come less about the wedding, but more about the fact before, right? That all of our friends are almost married. There's, there's not that many left. There's only Siva, right? Um, no, Victor. I mean, okay. Siva, Victor, yeah. But there are a couple of them who are engaged, but not married yet. Okay, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Potato, patata, whatever. They can still <laughs> change their mind, I think. <laughs> There's time. Yeah. I don't know. I actually had a conversation recently about it, uh, and there was, uh, yeah, I think that 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 is uh, this kind of sad. No, I think that makes me feel alone because it makes me feel like people are leaving uh, a certain new stage of life, mm. and I'm not there. And everybody pretty much is, you know, and I'm not there. And it's not even that I want to be in that stage. It's just the fact that. I am the only one who is basically not there, you know? Uh, um. It's it's sort of a funny thing, right? Because, uh, you know, people were together before the wedding and then it's some sort of one day where they celebrate themselves being together. And then they go back to being together the same way they were like two days before, right? And all of a sudden they're married and supposedly it's a new stage of life, but... In reality, nothing changed, right? I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, so of course, uh, and I understand. I understand the part where, like, the part of feeling alone um, when everyone's sort of coupled up, but but the wedding part somehow actually, well, I don't want to call it a farce, right? Because I mean, I've just had a wedding, but, but <laughs> in reality, be happy. to. to <laughs> I mean, she ha she has the same opinion. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think I think our approach to a wedding was a bit of a we just and I, I you know we're not very religious and okay the the taxes don't get that much better um, if you are married uh, but ultimately it was just a really nice opportunity and I think a sort of once in a lifetime opportunity to have a day or like multiple days if you because we went um, sort of to the mountains afterwards with some of our friends um and like it's a day where you can sort of invite all of your family and friends and anyone you hold dear anyone you like 
and they sort of all have to come and have to have fun with you. And that, that's that's kind of amazing. <laughs> I had to have fun. I didn't know that was. Yeah, fun. and well, I, I, of course, of course, I'm I'm exaggerating, but but um, you know, most of them uh, will come, uh, and you know, and you have like, I think I think one of the most amazing moments, uh, like unrelated now to to the actual wedding wedding ceremony and so on, was in the very beginning where sort of most of the crowd already gathered, and I was trying to. I was just trying to go to sort of the place which was in the back of of, of um, sort of this uh, area where we would have the ceremony uh, to sort of you know set up a couple of things with the organizer and I was trying to get through a crowd of people who already gathered there and it was impossible. Like I'll just go from one person like hi how's it going I haven't seen you in like years oh my god like exchanging two words to just like straight away being like oh my god there is a person i haven't seen even longer was like you know and it took me i think it took me like at least i don't know half an hour if not a whole hour to just make it to that wedding ceremony spot <laughs> and then you know and then i set up whatever i needed to and i was like oh no i have to go back <laughs> again like we're never going to get married because there's just too many people i want to talk to so i think i don't know probably to 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 both Fabienne and myself, this was like one of the best uh, aspects of, of, you know, having that wedding. And I think that's also why we didn't want to do it. Like when the pandemic hit, you know, some people mm. sort of just did it with a small uh, number of guests or just, you know, like by themselves. Um, and we didn't want to do that because that was sort of defeating the whole purpose of us doing it. Yeah. Um, that's why we waited for two years. Uh, no, it makes sense. But maybe to go back is maybe it's less about the wedding and more about the babies, you know. Yeah, it's kind of kind of comes with the wedding, you know. If people are gonna mar get married, they, most of our friends in this friend groups yeah, are gonna have kids. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's fair to say. Well, most of them already have kids, so it's not that's true. A big overstatement. Not 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 most of them, right? It's a half. I maybe. mean, it's. No, but less than half, right? It's just a little bit less. So you know, there's still time. But um, I, I agree. I, I agree with you that um, that things change considerably more when you have a kid than when you're getting married. Um, and maybe that's also a bit to the surrounding because you know, again, like you have a kid, but you're the same person more or less inside that you were you know, half a year ago or like before you were pregnant or had a kid. And it's not like people change. We're not like, you don't just somehow become a parent and all of a sudden you, you're like, you know, like this leveled up Pokemon and you have new superpowers or anything. You're just, you, know, <laughs> you, you have more struggles and you're somehow trying to survive. That's, that's what happens. Uh, but like on the inside, you're still the kid, right? I mean, that you, that you were like this kid's voice that you have is like when you're young, it, doesn't stop when you get older and you know have a proper job or get a I don't know a degree in something and it also doesn't stop when you have a kid you're just somehow you have to maybe have your shit together a tiny bit more to you know make make things work but again you know doesn't I I, I think that's the interesting thing because I kind of agree with you and also there's this like you are the same person I am the same person I have been before in some way you know I'm still Dedic, 
I'm still positive person, although sometimes you know <laughs> I'm a mess. Um, but at the same time, I am different. You know, same, same, but <laughs> different. Like I'm same, but that experience changed me, and I would imagine that with the fatherhood is some like you are the same same person but there's another part of you you know there's this another world that you are now living in so you have these two worlds uh, that you are i don't know how is it being parent because i'm obviously not but i think there's something about um yeah uh, there is no something that that's no, for, that's for, for sure S- something changes um I mean, starting with all the hormones that your body starts to uh, starts to generate uh, for you to sort of, you know, be a good parent. Like uh, in terms of like that's how evolution wanted it, right? All the oxytocin you get when you're sort of I don't know hugging your kid. I mean, that's just there, so you you take care of your child. But uh, I mean, if we forget about the biology part of it for a second, for sure you're. I mean, you just, yeah, f- feel different emotions. You care about different things. Um, yeah, you really form a bond with your kid, kid, right? And you, I mean, mm. so, f- yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I said, yeah, nothing changed, right? I mean, maybe maybe you said it well that there's just another sort of, um, like another new part of you that now exists um, and or somehow coexists with the old you and maybe... Also, there is some internal fight for power, right? Of uh, mm. like, like the decision making, uh, you know, like yeah. who's in charge. What's the most difficult part about being uh, dead for you? Um, I, th- I, th- I think in general the no off button aspect of it. I think that's like, I mean, if you take anything else. Like let's say let's say something where you need to take responsibility, like like a job, right? If you don't like your job, you can quit your job. I mean, or I don't know, like you have to water your plant once a week. I mean, you, someone can water it for you and it'll be fine. Or okay, you know, the plant dies, you buy a new one unless you're super attached to it. Like you cannot just stop being a parent, right? And no one can do it for you. Like you you have to do it. And I think this is like I'm still sort of speaking from a position of privilege because it's a lot more uh, true for sort of the female part right for, for the mother and it's like if, especially if she's like breastfeeding or um we now went through a phase with uh, with little feather um where um he f- somehow decided for a couple of weeks that uh, he only cares about his mum and I'm basically trashed and not to be t- dealt with. <laughs> and so he just like, whenever I try to, you know, play with him, grab, like hold him, a- any of that, he would immediately cry and just want to go to her, which is annoying both, like both for her and for me, because she just has to like constantly nonstop, like day in, day out, be with him, like to the point that you can't go to the toilet you know, without your kid crying or you have to take him with you or, or something like, and for me, uh, you know, I'm trying to help, but he just doesn't want to have any of me. And now like to change all of a sudden, he's like a lot more open. We can play again. And those are just phases and, you know, but, uh, but yeah, there's crazy stuff like that happening and you, you sort of have to deal with it. Um, yeah. I mean, there's also, of course, there's also this aspect of um, other people, people telling you what to do and how to be a parent and you constantly thinking, Oh, am I a good parent? Am I not a good parent? Comparing yourself to again, 
the sum of everyone else in the positive way rather than looking at the negatives and you're like uh, you know i don't know oh that kid's uh, like like learn to speak earlier and that kid like managed to walk earlier and that kid like knows how to eat with a fork i don't i don't know like all these things and i mean everyone ultimately will eat with a fork and will speak and walk right i mean i i don't know of anyone who's still struggling i mean okay and of course of like the he- like healthy uh, sort of children uh, one has to put a caveat but uh, Alice, Alice, so- Alice, uh, conversation that you are having with uh, with fabian like oh my god This day kids just start working and uh, we are not there, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, you, you know, if, of course, we, we then say like, oh, it really doesn't matter. He will do it eventually. But somehow, like you don't want it to be a competition, but it's still, I think there's some subconscious part of you mm. which sees it that way, right? Because then like, and funnily enough, it's not like you're thinking, oh, my son is a failure. It's, like, it's more like, oh shit, I should have bought him this, I don't know, uh, like... Um, there are these like big soft objects like that they like they can crawl on right and at some point we were thinking about buying them but then we didn't and now we're like oh maybe if we bought those objects like these these like they're not pillows but they're a bit like firmer so you can crawl on top of them and like crawl back like maybe he would have crawled earlier now he maybe would have been walking and then you start to think about it that way but then why does it matter right why why does he need to like crawl or walk at any given time i mean yeah i don't know it's it's one of those things again where you you somehow become yeah rational and you're you know you're thinking <laughs> about all these things but it, it doesn't matter he needs to have a crawling pillow <laughs> yeah well i don't know what they're called like crawling castle i i mean they're just crawling yeah they're just You see, you can tell I didn't buy it because I don't know the name of it. Otherwise, you know, you get a whole different like vocab of like toys and things for your kid that you have to learn. Yeah. Yeah. What What other part of you I over idealize? Well, definitely the sports because I haven't played rugby for like a year now. Um, yeah, that's something that that is a bit also um, like it's a lot harder to have hobbies on the side when you have a kid and. I'm trying to get back into it. Like, actually, I haven't been playing rugby, but I've been bouldering, uh, like indoor bouldering again. Um, but, right, right. <laughs> but not much, not much. Like, uh, no, frankly, like I, uh, I can count, uh, I can count the times on two hands probably in the last year. So it's not like, but yeah, you you, you sort of forget in, to to do these things because everything else is happening around you, and it's so easy to just stop doing something right i mean i don't know like i used to go running a lot and then i started going running less because i don't know like never found a time or opportunity and of course there is time and opportunity you just have to sort of you know realize it yeah. and then and then you realize you know all of a sudden you're like oh i haven't been running for a couple of months and it's not like you know you, you somehow maybe feel less happy less fit like your brain is a bit more foggy but like you know of course nothing else will happen you'll be like you'll be okay it's not like your you know life depends on you doing these things but uh, mm. but then you don't do them and you somehow feel like more stressed less you know happy less uh, at ease and and like you know it, it takes You you need to somehow consciously think like, well, why why is this? And then you realize, oh, maybe I just haven't been doing these things that I like for a Basics. while. And, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, it's a bit. This reminds me a bit of the sort of the difference between being hungry and being thirsty, right? Being hungry, you're just like, oh, I'm really hungry. I want to eat, uh, you know, right now. And you're immediately thinking of, oh, I'm going to get this, I don't know, massive burger or whatever. Um, uh, and being thirsty somehow is more like, oh, I have a slight headache and I can't concentrate. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, at least that's how it works for me. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm really thirsty. Like, that's not a thing, right? It's more like yeah, yeah. some 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 conscious feeling not good, but you can't really pinpoint it. And somehow there, I see there a parallel to 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 these things, like to you know, I don't know, like for example, doing sports, right? It's not like if you're gonna get like unfit, like I, I mean, you you can live like that, right? Nothing, nothing, nothing like too bad will happen. But somehow you're just constantly thinking like, ah, I can't concentrate at work. Somehow I have, like, my mood is not right. I have mood swings, like, constantly a bit depressed. I don't know what's going on, right? And then, like, at some point you're like, oh, why don't you just go for a run? You go for a run, and right after the run you're like, oh, my God. Like, someone took a filter away from, like, my life and everything's better again, right? I mean, yeah. so you're definitely over-idealizing my, my sporting uh, sort of shape. But <laughs> I, 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 pr I promise I'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> Any other things we should say? I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. I mean, you still have your uh, your question for me, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> we need to definitely address that. So what's the one thing that uh, I or the listeners can do in the coming week if they feel uh, stuck or lost in their life? One concrete okay. uh, action. Right. So I was trying to think of something that like I would, wouldn't just preach, but I actually do or enjoy and something that mm. kind of, kind of help me or like that I liked, like, I don't know, over the years, um, in the context of maybe finding a compass. And so I'll try to explain what I'm trying to suggest and, uh, we can see how far we get. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Are you gonna are you gonna talk about? You go to a computer, you start programming. <laughs> no, you 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 pay you you take little papers and you start making a duck out of it. <laughs> and then you make a nose and eye, and then you talk to the duck. <laughs> yes, that's called rubber, that's called rubber ducking. That's how you debug your code. No, I'm not gonna talk about that. But that's uh, on on a different like on a side note. That's a, that's a good strategy. It really works. Um, no, so you, you know. Sometimes you get these moments like at a random point during the day or whenever where you think of something and you think, oh, this would be a great idea. And then you sort of let it go. Hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about like it shouldn't be related to your work or shouldn't be about something you're trying to achieve. But like, um, let me give you an example, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, every now and then I get this feeling like I'm chatting with someone and we think of some hilarious connection between things. And then I go in my head, I'm like, oh, this would be a perfect thing if I could elaborate on that, that one could sort of build part of a stand-up comedy act with this, mm -hmm. right? And then I go like, ha, 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 and I forget about it. And so there are instances in my life where I, like not in particular for the comedy, but like, where I actually acted on it and I was like, oh no, let's not just forget about this idea, but let's come back to it and try to actually do something about it and try to be somehow creative about it. Um, like 
I don't know, like one one example uh, of something I could remember because, uh, of course, then I was like, okay, do I actually ever do that? And I was trying to remember instances what I do. Um, so at one point, like, I think I was like 20 or so, and I wanted to buy like a hat, like a winter mm-hmm. hat. And I went to like five shops and all of the hats were terrible. And I was like, oh my God, how how hard is it to crochet a hat or like, or, you know, that I would actually like. And then I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to figure it out. And then I, I went and I bought the crochet and actually I did a hat for myself. And then I did another 10 hats for people and gave them for Christmas presents. And ultimately that was a great feeling because you sort of, you did something creative. You didn't like, you did something that you didn't know and explored and why is that not a business? Why are you not selling? Why are you not a hat man? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, they were really not that bad. I even created like this little logo sign. So it would look like a legitimate hat and people would be like, oh, where can I buy that? Just because I had the logo sign on it. <laughs> it was the logo was like a like. A, so I drew it in some sort of, you know, simple drawing app. It was like a, a tree. And then the roots would like become a barcode. And I thought that was some, somehow cool at the time. I don't, I don't really know why. But like people were like, oh yeah, this tree barcode like hat, where can I get one? And like, I was like, and whenever that happened, I was super proud telling them that, oh no, I did it myself. Ha ha ha. Um, Maybe you should go back to that, man. <laughs> I don't know. But, but ultimately, you know, that was a pretty cool experience. And that's something I can like, you know, tell as a story now. And I actually think I still have one or two of those hats somewhere at home in Slovakia if I, try to find them and you know it can like it doesn't have to be a hat you don't even have to build something like um i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to take all all the things you said and boil it down to to something but i will boil the ocean to get as they say the consultants no um, (laughs) would that action be i'm just trying to think about how do i make it concrete for people so they can actually Okay. Follow it very simple. Because saying like no down something when you remember it's like nobody's gonna do it. But what if would can we say that what people should do in the coming week is try to know that when you have some creative idea that you like, note it down, and then at the end of the week, select one that you're gonna work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a that's a that's a a good first point. And again, this should, like, this idea should not be about, you know, your daily life. Like, it shouldn't be something you're doing already at work. It shouldn't be something that will you're doing for the money or your. It should just be for the pleasure of it, right? For like because you're curious about it. Um, because I think as soon as there is, like, a particular. Um, Kind of destination or is like again in the sense that okay i'm doing this for work right then you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself already to perform and like immediately maybe that's counteractive um mm. or you can like like you shouldn't be able to fail at this task right i mean the worst thing that should that can happen is that okay well you thought about the idea you tried to do something about it for a while and it wasn't the right one maybe you'll try it for the next one right but you shouldn't like I think I think I'm trying to set it up such that people don't don't you know don't immediately feel all the pressure of the world. Oh no, now I really need to think of a good idea, and I really need to like uh, create something amazing from it because, of course, that's not how the world works. Mm. But um, but just kind of you know not just give up on the idea and be like, oh no, okay, well you know I'm not 
I'm not a person who crochets hats or does stand-up comedy, like, uh, forget it, but like, just, you know, try. I agree. And also, like, one thing that I like about you a lot is the curiosity, you know? Uh, I remember when we were in um, in Portugal and uh, and we were, like, eating the pasta de Natash. Great cake, by the way, if you ever go to Portugal. Love it. And uh, then we were, like, next day walking somewhere else and they also had the pasta de Natash. And, like, my immediate reaction would be, get another pasta de Natash, you know? Why not? And you were like, no, 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 we already had one. Let's try another one. And like, <laughs> it's such a bullshit <laughs> story, but that thing stick with me, you know? I still like, oftentimes it pop up in my hand when I'm like somewhere going to the same place, buying the same stuff. And I'm like, no, I should do, today I'm going to try something else. And maybe I'm not going to like it, you know? That's fine. That's part of the kind of the, the, the experimentation, uh, curiousness, all right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a. I suppose yeah, being curious really is uh, quite rewarding. Quite often, oh, you also sometimes get terrible cake as a result. <laughs> you have oh, to yes. you know be be prepared for that. But uh, like th it happened to me so many times that you know I'd go to a restaurant where I already know that there is a really good dish, and I'm like, oh no, but this time I'm you know I can't just always take the very good dish, and I will take a different one. But then whoever's whoever I'm with will take the good dish. And then I'm sitting there having the, you know, the other one, which <laughs> turns out to be not so good <laughs> and like thinking, why, why am I always doing this? But then for every time that that happened, I would also find an even better dish, right? And then that was like why it ultimately was worth it. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I bought this, uh, some Chilean fruit, what is it? Chimaroyo? Chimaroyo? Something chi. I don't know what it's pronounced. doesn't matter. I bought it. Okay. I open it, I try to eat it, and I was like, yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ate a little bit, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm going to go back to mangoes and, <laughs> and strawberries <laughs> and pineapples. <laughs> this is not my thing. So, so at home, we, we have this rule right now of um, I'm only allowed to have one weird new type of vegetable or fruit in the fridge at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> because what, what happens is that every every time we go somewhere to a shop i'm like oh what is this like what can you do with it let's just buy it and figure it out later <laughs> and then we end up with like all sorts of weird stuff that like we don't know what to do and i'm then of course struggling to figure out and incorporate it in a dish and like you know it's worth it every now and then but then fabian was like okay i understand what you're doing there you can have this game <laughs> but let's limit it to one at a time <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious I love it and yeah so r right now I have this sort of weird German type of cabbage in the fridge it's been sitting there for two weeks and I still don't know what to do with it but I can't buy anything else until I make a dish <laughs> uh, <laughs> good life mm. I have I have one more question that I haven't asked and I should have asked it, but have you ever felt, have you ever felt lost or have you ever felt stuck or like your compass is broken? Because you talk about fixing your broken compass, but I never really ask you, have you ever felt lost? Oh yeah. I, I think, I think many times. Um, I've, okay. I, I think mostly this would be related to my professional life. So 
you know, just trying to understand what, what I'm actually doing with my life, right? I mean, for example, okay, I think I, I went, I went into my undergrad and I didn't feel too lost back then. That felt like, like a good decision because you're still sort of thinking, oh, everything's in front of you. Like, this is great. I'm enjoying mm -hmm. it. Then, you know, I think when I started doing my PhD, so I've decided for the PhD and, uh, Actually, maybe even before that already, like during my master thesis, you know, you sort of ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? Uh, why is this interesting? And like, if things don't work, you're like, oh, it's terrible. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, during the PhD, like you also, you see sort of your friends, you know, work in companies and sort of move somewhere and you're somehow getting this degree and you don't even know why at times. And, and like prospects in like in academia for for scientists are not always very good like one of the problems is that the, there is sort of a very steep pyramid of um there's a lot of people who study it study like let's say physics for example mm. but um the number of people who actually get permanent jobs is like very very little um and of course those are only like crazy genius overperforming kind um, who sacrifice a lot of the other aspects of their life to mm. um, to sort of you know make it there, like in terms of like yeah, I mean also in terms of like working hard and you know not like yeah as a as a scientist you're not particularly earning very well if you're in academia, um, mm. so you're sacrificing that aspect. Uh, you have to as, as as long as you don't have your permanent position, you have to move between countries quite a lot um hmm. like for a phd postdoc and so on and like i got lucky for example i after my phd i i did a postdoc in, in paris which first of all is an amazing city and i was there for a bit more than three years which is actually a bit uncommon because most of the time these positions they're like for one year or maybe hmm. two years max and quite often the sort of good academic uh like groups they might be in a university in the middle of a cornfield with nothing around for like hours and hours, you know, where like there's, there's no culture. There is no, like the weather might be terrible. There is no mm. nice nature, like all sorts of places where there might be good science, but that's about it. And that's the only thing you can do. And then, you know, so you're there and like you sort of sacrifice a lot, right. On the financial side, on the personal side, a lot of people like scientists sort of, I know uh, live in different cities to their, um, say uh, spouses or you know even their kids at times, mm. which is just terrible. I mean, and so yeah, uh, and so you know you're going down that path, and you sort of already know that that's that's what awaits you to some degree. Um, and then yeah, I mean you, you sort of end up every now and then feeling a bit lost or yeah, a bit uncertain about the future, and that gives you anxiety uh, for sure. And so yeah. Mm. Uh, I've definitely felt that many times. Makes sense. Makes sense. I remember it. We had a lot of discussions about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I can uh, also feel how it feels when you see like uh, Sivo and Razo were building at the time, like very much their careers, uh, getting raises uh, every year, you know, moving the corporate ladder, and you hear about like, oh, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this, and you're like, I'm getting yeah. the same shitty wage. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, as a PhD student, you're basically <laughs> below poverty line. Really, like the like the the money you get is not 
like it's it's enough to to live but like you can't even save money much uh, at least most of the places so yeah yeah you, you start comparing yourself to your peers who are sort of like your age and you know but somehow you like seemingly light years away from from where you are but then i, th- I think the one thing that sort of uh um why why it, in in the end why i think it was okay and why uh i didn't get too desperate is that i actually really enjoyed doing doing the job so that's the mm-hmm. i think there's the one positive and maybe the one advantage like it might not be financially but like uh you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm not not terrified going to my work. I'm actually super excited about it. And then, you know, you, you go to work, you start doing something and then you're like, oh shit, it's already time to go home. Like, ah, I wish I had a couple more hours to like think about this and that problem. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's a, that's quite like a privileged position to be in, which uh, doesn't happen to everyone, right? At least then, you know, from discussions with the likes of uh, uh, Sivan Brazo, who, you know, or like, especially Mraza, who, who uh, was sort of, uh, you know, struggling from, you know, burnout. Yeah, then you understand it. Okay, at least this aspect uh, is actually quite good. And then you, you know, you, you can actually balance that against maybe the extra money that you're not getting. And yeah, I guess my personal conclusion is that maybe uh, that uh, sort of happiness is worth more than the money, right? Oh, for sure. You can always make more money if you need to, right? Oh, it's easier said than done, right? But yeah, but uh, you know, then what do you really need? You know, that's right. that's the, course, that's I, important. Yes, I, I get if you are family, of course, you need more, and 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 then if I'm just alone, that I totally you know understand it. But I think that like people, I mean, do you really need a crawling uh, castle for your kid? You know. Well, I didn't like, buy it, so I suppose not. Um, no, but you're, you're completely right about this. It's like a slippery slope, right? I mean, no matter what you earn, you always find someone who, like, okay, unless you're, I don't know, somewhere on the billionaire's top 100 of Forbes, uh, then you always find someone who, you know, earns, like, way more than you, and then you start comparing yourself. And, yeah, it's not, yeah, ultimately, that's not a really good measure of of how well you're doing because I mean, okay, you, you, you sort of want to, you know, be able to afford, you know, nice food, clothes, live in a place where you want to live, be able to travel and do holidays. Um, but then beyond that, right. I mean, there is this probably you can quantify and you can put a number on this, like how much you need to be able to do all of it. And then beyond oh, that, yeah, they, 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 there is a study basically done of it. Exactly. Yeah, I know. In New York, in New York was 70, at the time, it was seventy, eighty thousand. Yeah, well, that, that must be that must have been a long time ago, right? <laughs> Especially in New York. Um, but yeah, so you you know you can put a number on this. Actually, you could probably do this exercise by yourself, right? And just figure out this number by yourself. I've never done it. Probably, I'm terrified of the result. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So you you know you 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 figure out that number, and then okay, if you're in that number, you're fine, and you can focus on whatever else is interesting or important to you. And if you don't, then okay, then maybe you need to cut off. Uh, do <laughs> yeah, that's one option, right? I mean, you can yeah, either spend less or earn more. I mean, there's the two options you have. It's pretty simple, like science. Come on, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, but you know, then you you you, fi- you figure that out. Um, 
And yeah, if you're anywhere north of that number, then I, I don't know, maybe it's time to focus on something else. I mean, there are all of these people who actually, um, it's a bit of a trend, right? People who try to retire as soon as they can. So they, mm. they, they sort of don't spend too much, try to maximize their profits, like work in jobs which, like, where they can make a lot of money. And then with, I don't know, 40 something, you know, they can retire and then they all like do whatever they actually wanted to do. Um, so that's a bit of a movement. And then personally, I'm not, I'm not convinced that this is the right way because it's sort of the, the idea of, okay, I'm going to sort of suffer now and then later I can enjoy myself. Right. But I mean, you're not going to get the time back. Like, I mean, Okay, yeah. you could like you can you can like go 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 party uh, you know when you're 45 but I mean it's not going to be the same as going you know partying or like enjoying yourself or going on holidays when you're 25 right I mean, those are just so you're not going to get that back and I'm not sure it's I think you should just strike a balance uh, and you know um yeah like enjoy yourself but also be a bit conscious about your future maybe to some degree like at all times right but not just try to say okay I'm I'm going to I'm going to get to this number and then I stop. Right. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that seems like an odd concept to me. Yeah. For me, it would probably wouldn't work here, but, um, on the other hand, I could have saved <laughs> a lot more money. You know, thinking back about it, like where I spend money and I'm like, fuck, I could have had uh, so much more money to travel right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, you know what? That happened. Uh, you know, nothing I can do about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that money's gone. <laughs> Yeah, so it's good to save, uh, but I I don't think that, that for me it wouldn't also be journey. I understand that some people like it, and that's fine, you know, as long as it works for you. But you always run the risk that you know you just die. <laughs> yes, yeah. so like, that's 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 a good point as well. Yeah, I I suppose <laughs> you know like uh, yeah maybe that's why I have a different like opinion about it. You know, even nowadays like I still think about money. You know, I don't have like huge amount of money to to go around and travel. I have some money, but they will run out eventually one day <laughs> and it's going to suck. Um, but I have just, uh, and this has been a process and maybe it's still a process. I was like, okay, I have this money. I mostly, I have most of it in crypto, which really sucks right now. Oh God. <laughs> Whatever. It's where it is. Um, and it's worse because it used to be like four times more and it's like one fourth, you know. So you're like, you're taking it out. It's a pain. Like mentally, it's a pain for you. Like, it had so much money and now I don't have it, right? Um, but I was like, fuck it. I'm taking this money out. This is what I need right now. And I'm just doing it. But every now and then I go back and I'm like, ah, oh, it, it hurts so much. You know, like it's con consciously like back and forth, but like I'm more and more convinced this is the right way. And then I'm going to come back and... Uh, I'm going to make some money, you know, one way or other. So, and we will see what happens afterwards. It's, f it's far away in my future right now. <laughs> you can buy, you can buy some more fruits and vegetables that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else that, uh, that, that's left to be said? No, I think we've more or less covered it all. All right. Then thanks for having you here. Thanks a lot for having me. It was great. People can hear the stories, the bigger impact it's going to be. Thank you for listening. And 
Let me know what you think about this episode because it was a little bit different and I would like to know what you think about it. Any comments or questions will be welcome and I will be happy to answer them. And please, 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 if you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and give the podcast rating because that will help us tremendously. I'm looking.